Section 7 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Natter. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 6. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd. The Teutonic Knights, A.D. 1190-1809, to by F.C. Woodhouse. Part two. In 1234, the order received into its ranks Conrad, Landgrave of Thuringia and Hesse, a man who had led a wicked and violent life, but being brought to see his errors, made an edifying repentance and became a Teutonic knight, and afterward was elected Grand Master. This Conrad was brother to Louis of Thuringia, who was the husband of Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. After the death of Elizabeth, the hospital at Marburg, where she had passed the latter years of her widowhood in the care of the sick, was made over to the Teutonic Knights, and after her canonization a church was built to receive her remains, and placed under the care of the order. In 1240 the Knights received an earnest petition from the Duke of Poland for aid against the Turks, who were ravaging his dominions, and by the enormous multitude of their hosts were able to defeat any army he could bring into the field. The knights accepted the invitation, and took part in a series of bloody and obstinate battles, in which they lost many of their number. They had also a new enemy to encounter in the Duke of Pomerania, who had been their ally, but who now sided with the Prussians against them. In the war that ensued, the duke was defeated, several of his strongholds were taken and he was obliged to sue for peace a few years afterward however in twelve forty three the duke recommenced hostilities and with more success culm was besieged by him and the greatest miseries were endured by the inhabitants the slaughter being so great in the numerous conflicts before the walls that at last very few men remained the bishop even counselled the widows to marry their servants that the population of the town might not become extinct. The war was continued for several years with varying fortune, till a peace was at last concluded, principally through the mediation of the Duke of Austria. About this time a disputed election caused a schism in the order, and two rival grandmasters for several years divided the allegiance of the knights, till Henry de Hohenlohe was recognized by both sides as master. During his term of office, successful war was carried on in Kurland and other neighboring countries, which resulted in the spread of Christianity and the advance of the power of the order. At the same time, the Teutonic order took part in the Crusades in Palestine and shared with the Templars and Hospitallers the successes and reverses there. It would be tedious to enter upon all the details of the conflicts undertaken by the order against the Prussians and others, Suffice it to say that the knights, though often defeated, steadily advanced their dominion, and secured its permanence by the erection of fortresses, the centres about which cities and towns ultimately arose. Among these were Danzig, Königsberg, Elbing, Marienberg, and Thorn. By the year 1283 the order was in possession of all the country between the Vistula and the Memel, Prussia, Kurland, part of Livonia, and Samogitia, Commanderies were established everywhere to hold it in subjection, and bishoprics and monasteries were founded for the spread of Christianity among the heathen population. In the contests between the Venetians and the Genoese, the Teutonic Knights aided the former, and in 1291, after the loss of Acre, the Grand Master took up his residence in Venice. 
About this time the Pope originated a scheme for the union of the three orders of the Hospitallers, the Templars, and the Teutonic Knights into one great order, purposing at the same time to engage the Emperor and the Kings of Christendom to lay aside all their quarrels and combine their forces for the recovery, once for all, of the Holy Land. Difficulties without number, which proved insuperable, prevented the realization of the scheme. Among these was the objection raised by the Teutonic Knights that while the Hospitallers and Templars had but one object in view, the recovery of Palestine, their order had to maintain its conquests in the north of Europe and to prosecute the spread of the true faith among the still heathen nations. In 1309, when all hope of the recovery of the Christian dominion in the east had been abandoned, and no further crusades seemed possible, it was determined to remove the seat of the Grand Master from Venice to Marienberg. At a chapter of the order held there, further regulations were agreed upon for the government of the conquered countries, some of which are very curious, but give an interesting picture of the state of the people and of society at that period. Thus it was commanded that no Jew, necromancer, or sorcerer should be allowed to settle in the country. Masters who had slaves, and generally Prussians, prisoners of war, were obliged to send them to the parish church to be instructed by the clergy in the Christian religion. German alone was to be spoken, and the ancient language of the country was forbidden to prevent the people hatching conspiracies and to do away with the old idolatry and heathen superstitions. Prussians were not allowed to open shops or taverns, nor to act as surgeons or accoucheurs. The wages of servants were strictly settled, and no increase or diminution was permitted. Three marks and a half a year were the wages of a carpenter or smith, two and a half marks of a coachman, a mark and a half of a labourer, two marks of a domestic servant, and half a mark of a nurse. Masters had the right to follow their runaway servants and to pierce their ears, but if they dismissed a servant before the end of his term of service, they must pay him a year's wages. Servants were not allowed to marry during time of harvest and vintage, under penalty of losing a year's wages and paying a fine of three marks. No bargains were to be made on Sundays and festivals, and no shops were to be open on those days till after morning service. Sumptuary laws of the most stringent nature were passed, some of which appear very singular. At a marriage or other domestic festival, officers of justice might offer their guests six measures of beer. Tradesmen must not give more than four, peasants only two. Playing for money, with dice or cards, was forbidden. Bishops were to visit their dioceses every three years, and to aid missions to the heathen. Those who gave drink to others must drink of the same beverage themselves, to avoid the danger of poisoning, as commonly practised by the heathen Prussians. A new coinage was also issued. The next half-century was a period of general prosperity and advance for the order. It was engaged almost incessantly in war, either for the retention of its conquests or for the acquisition of new territory. There was also internal difficulties and dissensions, and contests with the bishops. In 1308, the Archbishop of Riga appealed to Pope Clement V, making serious charges against the order and endeavouring to prevail upon him to suppress it in the same way as the Templars had lately been dealt with. Gerard, Count of Holstein, however, came forward as the defender of the knights. A formal inquiry was opened before the Pope at Avignon in 1323. 
The principal charges brought forward by the Archbishop were, that the Order had not fulfilled the conditions of its sovereignty in defending the Church against its hidden enemies, that it did not regard excommunications, that it had offered insolence to the Archbishop and seized some of the property of his see, and other similar accusations. The Grand Master explained some of these matters, denied others, and produced an autograph letter of the Archbishop's, in which he secretly endeavoured to stir up the Grand Duke of Lithuania to make a treacherous attack upon some of the fortresses of the knights. The end of the matter was that the case was dismissed, and there is little doubt that there were serious faults on both sides. The times were indeed full of violence, cruelty, and crime. The annals abound with terrible and shameful records, bloody and desolating wars, and individual cases of oppression, injustice, and cruelty. Now a Grand Master is assassinated in his chapel during Vespers. Now a judge is proved to have received bribes, and to have induced a suitor to sacrifice the honour of his wife as price of a favourable decision. Wealth and power led to luxury and sensuality. The weaker were oppressed, noble and bishop alike showing themselves proud and tyrannical. There are often two contradictory accounts of the same transaction, and it is impossible to decide where the fault really was, when there seems so little to choose between the conduct of either side. The conclusion seems forced upon us that human nature was in those days much the same as it is now, and that riches and irresponsible authority scarcely ever fail to lead to pride and to selfish and oppressive treatment of inferiors. When we gaze upon the magnificent cathedrals that were rising all over Europe at the bidding of the great of those times, we are filled with admiration and disposed to imagine that piety and a high standard of religious life must have prevailed. But a closer acquaintance with historical facts dissipates the illusion, and we find that then, as now, good and evil were mingled. The history of the order from the next century presents little of interest. In 1388, two of the knights repaired to England, by order of a Grand Master, to make commercial arrangements with that country, which had been rendered necessary by the changes introduced into the trade of Europe by the creation of the Hanseatic League. A second commercial treaty between King of England and the Order was made in 1409. The Order had now reached the summit of its greatness. Besides large possessions in Germany, Italy, and other countries, its sovereignty extended from the Oder to the Gulf of Finland. This country was both wealthy and populous. Russia is said to have contained 55 large fortified cities, 48 fortresses, and 19,000 and 8 towns and villages. The population of the larger cities must have been considerable, for we are told that in 1352 the plague carried off 13,000 persons in Danzig, 4,000 in Thorn, 6,000 at Elbing, and 8,000 at Königsberg. One authority reckons the population of Prussia at this time at 2,140,800. The greater part of these were German immigrants, since the original inhabitants had either perished in the war or retired to Lithuania. Historians who were either members of the order or favorably disposed toward it are loud in their praise of the wisdom and generosity of its government, while others accuse its members and heads of pride, tyranny, luxury, and cruel exactions. In 1410, the Teutonic Order received a most crushing defeat at Tannenberg from the King of Poland, assisted by bodies of Russians, Lithuanians, and Tartars. The Grand Master, Ulrich de Jungingen, was slain, with several hundred knights and many thousand soldiers. 
There is said to have been a chapel built at Grunwald in which an inscription declared that 60,000 Poles and 40,000 of the army of the knights were left dead upon the field of battle. The banner of the order, its treasury, and a multitude of prisoners fell into the hands of the enemy, who shortly afterward marched against Marienberg and closely besieged it. Several of the federatories of the knights sent in their submissions to the king of Poland, who began at once to dismember the dominions of the order and to assign portions to his followers. But this proved to be premature. The knights found in Henry de Planau a valiant leader, who defended the city with such courage and obstinacy that after fifty-seven days' siege the enemy retired after serious loss from sorties and sickness. A series of battles followed, and finally a treaty of peace was signed, by which the order gave up some portion of its territory to Poland. But a new enemy was on its way to inflict upon the order greater and more lasting injury than that which the sword could effect. The doctrines of Wycliffe had for some time been spreading throughout Europe, and had lately received a new impulse from the vigorous effects of John Hus in Bohemia, who had eagerly embraced them and set himself to preach them, with additions of his own. Several knights accepted the teachings of Hus, and either retired from the order or were forcibly ejected. Differences and disputes also arose within the order, which ended in the arrest and deposition of the Grand Master in 1413. But the new doctrines had taken deep root, and a large party within the order were more or less favourable to them, so much so that at the Council of Constance, in 1415, a strong party demanded the total suppression of the Teutonic order. This was overruled, but it probably induced the Grand Master to commence a series of persecutions against those in his dominions who followed the principles of Hus. The treaty that had followed the defeat at Tannenberg had been almost from the first disputed by both parties, and for some years appeals were made to the Pope and the Emperor on several points, but the decisions seldom gave satisfaction or commanded obedience. The general result was the loss to the order of some further portions of its dominions. Another outbreak of the plague, in 1427, inflicted injury upon the order. In a few weeks, no less than 81,746 persons perished. There were also about this time certain visions of hermits and others which threatened terrible judgments upon the order, because, while it professed to exist and fight for the honour of God, the defence of the Church, and the propagation of the faith it really desired and laboured only for its own aggrandizement. It was said, too, that it should perish through a goose, web and the word hus means a goose in the bohemian patois it was said afterward that the writings of hus or more truly perhaps the work of the goose quill had fulfilled the prophecy in undermining and finally subverting the order there were also disputes respecting the taxes which the people declared to be oppressive and finally in fourteen fifty four a formidable rebellion took place against the authority of the knights casimir king of poland who had long had hostile intentions against the order secretly threw all his weight into the cause of the malcontents who made such way that the grand master was forced to retire to marienberg his capital where he was soon closely besieged casimir now openly declared war and laid claim to the dominions of the knights in prussia and pomerania formally annexing them to the kingdom of poland the grand master sent petitions for aid to the neighbouring princes but without success the kings of Denmark and Sweden excused themselves on account of the distance of their dominions from the seat of the war. 
Ladislaus, king of Bohemia and Hungary, was about to marry his sister to Casimir, and the religious dissensions of Bohemia and the attacks of the Turks upon Hungary fully occupied his attention, and demanded the employment of all his troops and treasure. And finally, the capture of Constantinople by Mahomet at this very time, 1458, seemed to paralyze the energies of the European powers. The Grand Master, Louis de Lixhausen, thus found himself deserted in his time of need. He did what he could by raising a considerable body of mercenaries, and with these, his knights, and the regular troops of the order, he defended himself with courage and wonderful endurance, so that he not only succeeded in holding the city, but recovered several other towns that had revolted. But his resources were unequal to the demands made upon them. His enemy overwhelmed him with numbers, his own soldiers clamoured for their pay long overdue, and there was no prospect of aid from without. There was nothing left, therefore, to him but to make the best terms he could. He adopted the somewhat singular plan of making over Marienberg and what remained of the dominions of the order to the chiefs who had given him aid in payment for their services, and he himself, with his knights and troops, retired to Königsberg, which then became the capital of the order. Marienberg soon afterward came into the hands of Casimir, but the knights again captured it, and again lost it, in 1460. War continued year after year between Poland and the knights, the general result of which was that the latter were defeated, and lost one town after another, till in 1466 a peace was concluded, by the terms of which the knights ceded to Poland almost all the western part of their dominions, retaining only a part of eastern Prussia, with Königsberg for their capital, the Grand Master acknowledging himself the vassal of the King of Poland, with the title of Prince and Councillor of the Kingdom. In 1497 the order lost its possessions in Sicily through the influence of the Pope and the King of Aragon, who combined to deprive it of them. It still retained a house at Venice, and some other property in Lombardy. In 1511, Albert de Brandenburg was elected Grand Master. He made strenuous efforts to procure the independence of the order, and solicited the aid of the Emperor to free it from the authority of Poland, but without success. The Grand Master refused the customary homage to the King of Poland, and after fruitless negotiations war once more was declared, which continued till 1521, when peace was concluded one of the results of which was the separation of Livonia from the dominion of the order and its erection into an independent state. All this time the doctrines of Luther had been making progress and spreading among all classes in Prussia and Germany. In 1522 the Grand Master went to Nuremberg to consult with the Lutherans there, and shortly afterward he visited Luther himself at Wittenberg. Luther's advice was decided and trenchant. He poured contempt upon the rules of the order, and advised Albert to break away from it and marry. Melanchthon supported Luther's counsels. Shortly after, Luther wrote a vigorous letter to the knights of the order, in which he maintained that it was of no use to God or man. He urged all the members to break their vow of celibacy and to marry, saying that it was impossible for human nature to be chased in any other way and that God's law, which commanded man to increase and multiply, was older than the decrees of councils and the vows of religious orders. At the request of the Grand Master he also sent missionaries into Prussia to preach the Reformed doctrines. One or two bishops and many of the clergy accepted them, and they spread rapidly among the people. Services began to be said in the vulgar tongue, 
and the images and other ornaments were pulled down in the churches especially in the country districts in fifteen twenty five albert met the king of poland at cracow and formally resigned his office as grand master of the teutonic order making over his dominions to the king and receiving from him in return the title of hereditary duke of prussia shortly afterward he followed luther's advice and married the princess dorothea of denmark many of the knights followed his example the annals and archives of the order were transferred to the custody of the king of poland and were lost or destroyed during the troubles that subsequently came upon that kingdom a considerable number of the knights refused to change their religion and abandon their order and in fifteen twenty seven assembled in chapter at mergentheim to consult as to their plans for the future they elected walter de kronberg grand master whose appointment was ratified by the emperor charles v in the religious wars that followed the knights fought on the side of the emperor against the protestants in fifteen ninety five the commandery of venice was sold to the patriarch and was converted into a diocesan seminary and in sixteen thirty seven the commandery of utrecht was lost to the order in sixteen thirty one mergentheim was taken by the swedes under general horn in the war against the turks during this period some of the knights true to the ancient principles of their order took part on the christian side both in hungary and in the mediterranean in the wars of louis the fourteenth the order lost many of its remaining commanderies and by an edict of the king in sixteen seventy two the separate existence of the order was abolished in his dominions and its possessions were conferred on the order of st lazarus when prussia was erected into a kingdom in seventeen o one the order issued a solemn protest against the act asserting its ancient rights over that country the order maintained its existence in an enfeebled condition till eighteen o nine when it was formally abolished by napoleon in eighteen forty austria instituted an honorary order called by the same name and in eighteen fifty two prussia revived it under the designation of the order of st john End of chapter 7